Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. We are back. It's been a while. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hude. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. How y'all doing today? I'm drinking me a great cup of Bengals tea. We are back. I know you guys have probably been wondering where we've been. There's been a lot of scheduling conflicts. There's been a lot of things going on uh, in America and we just posted so we we kind of brought you guys a double episode kind of thing so the first thing that we have is we have an episode that we just posted calling called kneeling in the jungle be sure to check that out Uh, but things have have kind of happened it ended up being a solo one for Zim because uh, the current space that I was in last week definitely wasn't a good one and then after that it was coupled with having to be slammed by work and stuff outside of here so uh, that was something that kind of took place, but just given my thoughts on everything that's happened, obviously I'm an African American, uh, so the things that happened in Minneapolis and that have been happening for years, of course, affected me. I am a black father; I do have a black son, uh, but to see how people have came out and starting with Joe Burrow and just the Bengals and just the NFL in general, everyone trying to come together to get around a cause to make America a better place for everybody, no matter what your skin tone is, no matter what experiences that you have to go through, uh, gives me some solace. But I'm not going to lie, it it was tough to process a lot of that stuff. Like There were times where you know, I kind of got emotional about certain things and seeing certain videos, especially when it comes to George Floyd and, and all of the victims um, over the past few years. But it was something that brought a smile to my face to see people start to move together and unite. And I think that that's what it's going to take for the world to become a better place. And it was it was definitely great to see people in the NFL acknowledge it. I mean, for Joe Burrow to come out and be the face of this was just like crazy to me, like especially with him being a Cincinnati Bengal. And I also, if you notice, have received my Joe Burrow jersey. Joey B. So it's official. If you guys are waiting for yours, those should be on the way. Uh, But hearing him stand up and, and do that, I think people don't realize that that will make him and establish him as a leader in that locker room and gain the respect of 
his, um, you know, teammates that are in the locker room, like the Joe Mixons and the A.J. Greens. Like, there were people that weren't even Bengals fans texting me saying, wow, like, look what Joe Burrow is doing. He's using his platform. And that is just indicative of him. And we saw that from his Heisman uh, Trophy presentation where he's standing up for the right things. It's not about politics. It's human rights. That's what he said. So it was good to see that. It was also good to see that. The Bengals coaches and Zach Taylor and the players were able to meet and just have a real obvious like conversation about what's going on and just a big, real, realistic conversation. I know some people feel like those conversations are uncomfortable, but it's good to see that they were being made. Um, so with that, that also doubled back with a tragic loss in the Bengals community with us losing Ken Riley. This one really like hit me deep because most people will probably think, Ace, how is this hitting you deep? Like, you didn't watch this guy play or anything like that. Well, for those that have followed me, I am a rattler myself. I went to FAMU. Like, that was one of, like, to me, that was the perfect connection. Because when I heard about Ken Riley and I learned about him, I did my research and heard him on several other podcasts, it was always a dream of mine to have an interview with him, to be able to talk about things like the set and different historic things that people that went to FAMU knew. I was looking forward to figuring out, like, what FAMU was like for him in the 70s because I'm a proud rattler. Uh, I have two degrees from there. I mean, I was just really looking forward to that because those are two things that I really love in life are fam you and the Bengals. Like, so for me, it was just like, man, to, to never have that. And then not even just speaking selfishly, cause I don't want to just credit it just to that. But the fact that the man didn't get to witness his own hall of fame induction when it does happen, cause it's definitely going to happen in my opinion now, but for him to wait so long to be 70 and just not see that and for it to be attributed to him playing in a small market, I think is just egregious and it's just sad because even when it happens, it's like, why didn't you guys do this while he was here? Um, so today, uh, I just want to kind of bounce back and forth uh, between that. And then we also want to talk about some things like Darren Lee and other things that are going on. Um, but first kicking things off, Zim, I want to give you the floor to talk about the great Ken Riley um, and what he meant to you and or, or what you learned about him and what you think should should happen with him going forward in terms of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that kind of hit me really tough in the middle of uh, we're we're dealing with a lot of things as a nation, so that blended in with it. It just was. It's just. It's. It's just. I don't. I don't even have a a good definition or a good way to say it. But it's really, really bad timing. And then you know we're all in this whole rat race that we're living in with your your everyday life. When when the news came across my phone, it's like I kind of like stopped what I was doing. I was like, damn. Like right. I I just immediately thought about his family, and I'm thinking like. Gosh, like that's a guy that should absolutely be able to walk across the stage, be able to say what he has to say and get his gold jacket the way that, you know, he's supposed to. And not to make this a negative thing, but I just I really, really I'm gonna always feel a certain type of way about that, even when he is inducted into the Hall of Fame, because we definitely are going to put that into we're going to speak that into existence and that's going to happen. But if you look at like. From a stats, I mean, fifth all time in interceptions. I think what 63 interceptions when he was 30, 65 interceptions when he was 36. I mean, arguably one of his best years um, playing the National Football League. And it's not even, I don't even have to tear down anyone else or compare anybody else. Just look at the raw numbers on him. Um, I wrote down some really good notes throughout the week, but we didn't do the show. But I'm trying to remember a lot of different things, but I think seven time, um, Seven-time Pro Bowl. I mean, seven-time um, All-Defense. Uh, well, so I, I've got some stats on them. So three-time the, first. Three-time All-First. One of the main issues was um, his lack of Pro Bowls, as they tried to call it. But he was a first-team All-Team Pro um, in 1983, the same uh, season, I believe, that the Bengals went pretty far in the playoffs. Uh, he also had... An interception return for a touchdown. He had five of those. Um, he had, like Zim said, 65 interceptions, four seasons in the top 10, um, three seasons in the top 10 of the longest interception returns, 596 career interceptions, return yards, two seasons in the top 10, 18 fumbles recovered. I mean, 
This guy 334 kickoff return, yards, uh, 96 fumble return, uh, yards. I mean, he just always had a knack for being around the ball, and players around the league even spoke on it and just were saying, this is a guy that everyone really, really respected all those years, and because of maybe because of the uniform, he didn't get the notoriety early on, but later on in the, in his um, in his Bengals tenure. They started giving him some of those some of those accolades that he probably deserved all along, but it might it and to me that's the detriment of maybe how fast he'll get into the Hall of Fame. But I think after a while they caught on, and uh, you'll see some of the Bengals that are playing currently right now kind of follow that same that same uh, path. I think. But rest in peace to to Ken Riley. I mean. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a tough one, bro. It was it was definitely a tough one. I, I know it also hit uh, Willie Anderson pretty hard because he kind of talked to to us about meeting Ken Riley, the time that he did get to meet him. And I think it just the one positive that I think that this pulls out of it is number one, don't overlook you know superstars that play in small markets. Number two, it really puts a lot of pressure on the Bengals to really start this ring of honor because that's another guy that was not honored. I mean, obviously, Mike Brown has brought back former players and stuff like that, but it's never been anything official. And so I think that that really helps in a good way push the Bengals towards honoring their own because you have to have something like that. I mean, when we do all of these it's almost kind of like our ring of honor on this podcast, right? We had TJ Husmanzada on. We had Willie Anderson on. We had Jeff Blake on. The fact that Jeff Blake was not voted in the in the Bengals top 50 is ridiculous. Honestly, it's, it's pretty crazy that he wasn't invited there. But I think a lot of that has to do with there's no celebration. There's no kind of ring of honor to let younger fans know who these guys were, right? You have to be educated on these guys and see these guys get honored at halftime to say, hey, who is that? Oh, okay, let me look him up. Oh, wow, this guy played for the Bengals and was a really good guy. Like, who knew that Ken Riley was fifth all-time in interceptions in the NFL? We're talking about guys like Dion. We're talking about all of these guys that we always talk about. And he was top five all-time. And that isn't known to a lot of people because there hasn't been – a, a point of emphasis from the Bengals, and I'm not trying to slam the Bengals here, but they just haven't been about honoring those players. So um, that's something that I think needs to be done, especially with, with guys like Ken Riley passing away. We don't want it to be too late until this happens. And I think that we have seen in, um, in recent years, even with the schedule release, that they have been reaching back out to older players. So we did see them bring Chad Oshosinko onto the schedule release. And it was cool to see that because it's Chad. Like, why wouldn't you – like, Chad should be one of the figureheads for the Bengals. Like, it should he should get free tickets for life. Like, Chad is, like, the spokesman. The Cincinnati Bengals. He wears it well, too. Chad, he like, really Chad, does. Chad, Chad just wears, like – we need Chad on the show, but – we Chad just chat on the show. Chad Be sure just, to spam he, Chad for sure. He he waves the Bengals flag so like so well. I think the Bengals organization too. I think inside the building they have a special place in their heart for him too. Because even I saw like the other day they sent them like uh, a box of cigars or something. And I know he's got his own cigars, but like he just wears it so well. And he's one of those people that's not going to harp on the negative so much. And I just think that's just part of his personality. So things that maybe he didn't like, he probably never even brought it to them. And because when you leave someone in a good relationship and they meant so much to the organization, I just think that you, if they had an ounce of bit of guilt for like maybe not letting, you know, like not letting Chad do his thing all the way through or retiring a bangle or, you know, there's so many variables that happen with Chad's career that I don't think they feel responsible for it. But I think that they would be doing a huge disservice to, to ignore the impact and what he's done for this franchise because oh, i'm you know how many people i talk to like on a daily basis that i mean they don't have to be young they could be old he he is the bridge in between the two worlds like the 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 90s nightmare um you know Bengals fan versus the early 2000 Bengals fans got merged with chad johnson so there's a there's a a, a huge fan base people like myself I probably wouldn't be as passionate about the Bengals if it weren't for Chad Johnson. And shout out to my man Diddy. I if if y'all are in here right now, 
it is a guy in here. His, this is my guy, Diddy. I talk to him all the time. He always supported everything I ever did when I was solo dolo. I have never, ever in my life gone to a live on Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, anything Bengals related. It could be a Zach Taylor press conference, and there's never been a time that Diddy is not there. If you guys get a chance, go check this guy out. Like, I mean, this is the ultimate Bengals fan. Like, he is like my spirit animal, like, just living. I don't even know what he does for a living, but apparently, like, they let him stay on his phone. And that is a good goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, shout Diddy, out to Diddy. Diddy, sure. Diddy might be his own boss at this point. I, I might have to. We might have to have Diddy on one of these shows. Diddy got to get on here, bro. If we ever have like a, a fan show, I or went live. Like that, yeah. I went live with him a couple times, but yeah, uh, but you know we we're gonna have to get him on because he is what he is the like we were talking about fandom just now with the uh, with Chad Johnson. This guy Diddy, I mean, he's never missed a, a show, never missed anything, and he is the ultimate who day. Definitely, definitely the ultimate who day. But like you were saying. With Chad, I, I have to agree with you. Like, Chad is is the dude. He's the guy. He's made the Bengals a lot of money, whether they know it or not. Like, he put the Bengals on a national level with them playing in a small market. You might not have liked the antics, which I don't think anybody in here would say that. But um, that's how they talked about him. But he really put the Bengals on the map. And when I moved to Florida and came down to a city that wasn't really familiar with Cincinnati or the Bengals, Everyone knew Chad. The only mm-hmm. person that they knew on the Bengals was Chad. And, like, even some of the new uh, Bengals fans that may not have been from Cincinnati but have some kind of ties to the city or maybe no ties to the city at all knew the Bengals and started liking them because of Chad. Like, so Chad was definitely dope, and it's good to see that they're doing stuff like that. And it's good to see guys like Willie Anderson, shout out to him as well, uh, bringing a lot of those guys back himself. Uh, we – we um, didn't address it, but he also had Andrew Whitworth on his show. And some cool things that he said on there. So definitely be sure to, number one, follow Big Willie on Instagram. I think it's Big Willie 7179 Also follow mm-hmm. him on Twitter because he does these amazing lives. I've also been doing some work with him as well. And me and Zim have been collabing with him as well on some things that are going to come. Um, so be sure to stay tuned on that. But he also had Andrew Whitworth on there. And... Whitworth basically was able to speak his side that Bengals fans have been wanting to hear for a long time. But even with all of that, Whitworth still wants to retire a Bengal. So, like, that's dope. That's that's having that culture that we we desperately need. Uh, but what were your thoughts, Zim, at least on, like, what Big big um, Whit had to say to Andrew or what Andrew kind of said? Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? It was so, 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 so Willie had really he had two good ones. Uh, so he had Whitworth last week, and then he had Jeff Blake the other day. I thought the Jeff Blake one. If you guys go on Instagram, like um, Ace was just saying, if just go check it out because a lot of that stuff is a is a little raw, and I just really want y'all to like read it. But they were talking about with his interview with Jeff Blake, just how black um, black players are fronted upon as far as coaches, and and they're not they're 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 from an offensive line standpoint and a quarterback standpoint if you look around the league they just don't create an avenue for them at all and i thought it was really really great that these are two players that are very very good at their position well spoken well educated are able to put the work in both of them too uh strike me as two two individuals that don't have like an ego that can absolutely be a coach in this league and just to hear their perspective on the whole thing i just thought was it kind of blew me away on that one where they were just pretty much saying how they're just frowned upon the league and there's just not that many opportunities. So if you do get a chance, go check out Willie Anderson's uh, live that he has with Jeff Blake. But the one with um, what Andrew Whitworth, the one that got the most highlights, I think, or the most pub is the fact that Whitworth was saying that in his final year before, I guess, said got drafted, or was that Wednesday got drafted, he had to go and personally go into Mike Brown's office and go get a one-year extension at the, towards the end of the season. He had to get that just to ensure, like, his, you know, like that, that, that next, that next uh, check coming up that upcoming year because right. Katie and her brother were already saying, yeah, personally told him face-to-face, like, hey, wait, you're done. And to hear that from people that don't that don't have a football background, and I'm like, they were able to even 
like just that whole dichotomy like of Katie Blackburn talking to someone who is now a future Hall of Fame and at the time was on pace for a Hall of Fame career and it showed no signs of breaking so down. Now, right. And you're telling me that these are the people that got you in a room talking to you and telling you that you're done. And that's how we're that's how we're making decisions in the in the Bengals front office. And then the only person that had to bring that back, the ruler back in was Mike Brown. And then the following year, because I guess they felt so confident in Cedric O'Bahe and Jake Fisher that they didn't even give them a, a legit offer. And he said the the only thing that they even spoke on was 50 percent of what everybody else was offering, which is the biggest smack in the face. You know, like we, we would have that same conversation. Honestly, I don't want to compare it to A.J. Green, but that's like at this point in A.J. careers, you know, like at this point in his career, it's almost equivalent to Whitworth at that time, minus the injuries, though. Whitworth didn't have any major injuries. So and I don't even consider A.J. Green's like injuries major to me. It's just the length of time that he's been out. But. To have them uh, making that decision at that point and not even giving them a fair offer is legit. Like if we if we if they were to come out right now and say, "Yeah, AJ, um, yeah, we're we're not even really feeling you're it." Done. We're, yeah, we're, and that would be crazy. And, and it's and it's, it's probably times that a hundred because with AJ Green's injury history as a fan, you could probably say, "Well, yeah, maybe we could side on, we can move on from it." But it, the similarity, the similarities to that, I thought were really prevalent because they just drafted T. Higgins. You not too long ago had you know drafted John Ross. You have pieces in place where you could move on from AJ Green, but to not even give him an offer or even offer him fifty percent. I hope they're not doing that right now. I immediately no, just thought AJ. I immediately thought of AJ Green at that moment, but I think because I watch AJ Green stuff really really closely i don't think they're lowballing him like that because he's still wearing Bengals gear his wife's still on board different things like that and i'm like eh, i don't think they're like just poo-pooing all over him like that but if they're doing stuff like that like to, to guys like that when you have the money to make this thing work for your people and we me and ace had a a, a pod like this you remember the the, the big debate podcast yeah the great debate yeah. all right so the great debate we're always just talking about Whoa, what was that? Whoa, okay. Shout out, shout out to shout Cincinnati out to kid. Cincinnati kid for sure. Cincinnati kid 513. Hey, look, look, he he must have been because early <laughs> I was I was giving Diddy all the love, right? Cincinnati kid. Cincinnati kid five one three is he, in here. He, a lot he's, he's always in these too. And that's somebody I talk directly with all the time too. He's a diehard. Sorry to get off subject, but I just I, I don't I just hope they're not practicing that because like you were telling me in that episode, is that there are things that are bigger than football. And AJ green to me represents that. I look at AJ green. Like I look at LeBron James with basketball. I just feel like his impact with basketball is so big that it's just bigger than what you see on the floor. And I feel like AJ, AJ green's impact with the city of Cincinnati is so big that it's just bigger than football. And that alone, you're going to overpay. And if they're not on, and and, and they should have did that with Whitworth. So that was that was my thought. No, nah, no, nah, I'm I'm with you on that. Like AJ Green is a model like player, and that's not to say Andrew Whitworth isn't because I think Andrew Whitworth did some things in the community as well. Was a stand up guy, definitely played a leadership role uh, when they brought in Andy Dalton. He was the guy that organized a lot of stuff. Uh, but AJ Green, to me, when you look at this guy, he represents just the epitome of class. You talk about a great family guy. You can see that uh, very private, uh, but still is a model like person. You don't have to worry about anything on the off on off the field or anything, him saying anything crazy. Um, and he's just the perfect pro. So like you can't do that guy wrong. Cause if you do him wrong, like you could do anybody wrong. So I, I really hope, like you said, that things are going well there. He is a guy that wants to actually stay in Cincinnati. It, it baffles my mind that he is a player, you know, given our history with, with certain players, that he's a guy that really wants to retire here and really wants to to believe in the Bengals. And we can't let him become Bengalized. We can't let that happen. I talked to Willie about that too. We don't want him to become Bengalized. But we also had another, not to forget, uh, since he's Bengals fan, he asked, uh, who do you think we will pick up in free agency? 
Uh, that leads kind of to the next section. Darren Lee has been tossed around. So the way that this kind of started was somebody on Twitter tagged Darren Lee and they were saying, Bengals, you should pick up Darren Lee. Darren Lee retweeted it and seemed to like have a reaction where he would be open to joining the Bengals. And I think on our last podcast or two podcasts ago, we actually talked about free agents that were still out there. And we talked about Darren Lee, um, the Darren Lee thing. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Like I said on the show when we did it, I think that he would be a good pickup. But you guys already know if you've been listening to me on here, I completely want I even named the episode after after Larry Warford. Like I want Larry Warford here. We'll see what happens. It seems like the Bengals have had some discussions about him. Um, but outside of, of those two, Zimmer, how do you feel about, um, you know, some potential free agents out there, including Darren Lee? I can't hear you, Zim. Can you guys hear Zim? Sorry about that. They have this thing called a mute button. I hit it. <laughs> hey, so, so um, my list is still the same. I'm really, I'm really, really, I'm really, I wouldn't say content, but I, I'm really sold on what they got right now. And I really want to see the guys go in the camp and really make. I'm gonna be leaning towards people like my guy James Rapine. I'm gonna be leaning towards like different reports from from beat writers that are there on site and like kind of getting some more information on like what are some different things because outside of the offensive line, I don't want to just throw in a big mess of like just people in there just to have bodies in there. The only position that I really feel like is a glaring need that just jumps out at me when I look at like elite teams is at at the edge position. So Cam Wake was somebody that. Although his age is really, really up there, um, Cam Cam Wake was a guy that struck me as like, okay, if he could do 20, 30 snaps or whatever, like he's got the moves still, I'm sure, and he's very smart. And and if currently right now our fourth is uh, Khalid Kareem, then, you know, Cam, Cam Wake, you know, like say somebody on the edge goes down, like that that is a big a big Achilles heel to this team, I think, because you're, you're always unsure, Lawson. Uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from him from a health uh, standpoint. So edge position, I, I was looking at Cam Wake. There was a, there was a couple of people that we were talking about on a, this is, this has been like three weeks now, but there's, there's a couple guys that we had highlighted in that show. I forgot the name of that show. If you guys watch this, just go ahead and click every single episode we've ever did. And then you could probably find out the free agents that I had in mind. I'm going to pull up. Matter of fact, I wrote a note for it too, though. I'm going to pull it up, but you can, can wait. I mean, everybody's looking at Larry Warford, but I will say this. There have been two reports that I read that said the Saints were very unhappy with his condition in this past year. And one thing that I'm worried about is, OK, we were just in a quarantine. You don't have eyes on him every day. If he had a conditioning issue or questionable, like there have been a couple of uh, I read one report. I cannot remember the writer's name, but said and he was based out of New Orleans as well. But um, he said that they questioned his desire to still play, and right. one thing, and 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 they attributed that kind of with the condition and stuff, and they had to reiterate a lot of stuff to him this past year. And he has an injury thing that's going on, and you got thirty-one other teams that are are possible suitors. So there right. are factors that go against Larry Warford. It's not just a a slam dunk thing like I originally, I guess, thought, where it was just like I just thought it was a cap casualty. Reading more into it, conditioning was a thing, and coming off of quarantine, that's that's not a good mix. Like you want to get your guys, like staff, working with the guys, talking to them, and if and if he's doing it all on his own, I mean that was a you know that was the thing with Von says perfect for all those years. It was like as long as we couldn't have eyes on him and he wasn't around staff, it was always like we don't know what Von says is going to look like when he comes in, and if they're questioning right. that with uh with Warford now. It's just like we got to get past this COVID nineteen thing just to to really really bring them into the the facility. But everybody's like, "Go, let's go get them. We got the money." There's right. thirty. There's thirty one other teams that would love to have a Pro Bowl guard. I'm sure. And if the money is like what they were talking about, it's not too many teams that can't afford that. Honestly, right. I think, um, like you said, there was definitely an issue with him coming into. Um, last Saints camp, not in shape. But I think uh, one of the things that they kind of talked about was down the stretch of last season, his uh, 
his run blocking was stellar, but his pass blocking kind of fell off a little bit. And I think they they kind of mentioned one thing that really stood out was his playoff performance, I think, against the Vikings. And then also they drafted Cesar Ruiz as well. And then I, I think money, even though like they tried to attribute it to him being out of shape and stuff, money was definitely a big factor of that as well because they ended up saving quite a bit of money. But I think like Zim said, that is something that you should have to worry about. I think with any offensive lineman, though, not trying to take a shot at them at all, it's, it's really hard for them to kind of stay in shape, especially in the offseason where during the season they have to maintain a certain weight and stuff like tell that. that. To, like, tell they that like to Diddy, eat food. They like to eat food. Tell that to I Diddy, like to bro. Eat food. Diddy's in the gym right now, so no, nah, that doesn't work. For true offensive linemen like Diddy, like that just doesn't even happen. Yeah, so for for me, like that's something that he can kind of get under control. Like you know, there, there are certain things. As long as these guys, like Zim said, are in shape, um, then I think that that's okay. But I think given the situation with him being cut, with him being a free agent, that's when a lot of these guys are when it's a contract year, not even just offensive linemen, just people in period tend to kind of try to get into the best shape of their life. So. I think that is at least worth kicking the tires on. And I think Zim also said this before he talked about with the whole COVID situation going on right now, it's just really hard to get guys inside and get medicals and stuff like that done. We've seen that. I'm not even sure if they've even gotten medicals done for like Trey Waynes or some of those guys that we signed. So, you know, that's a huge risk, especially when you're putting some money into that. But I think it's also one of the reasons that he's still out there and, to me personally, I think the Bengals should just take that leap of faith and take a shot in the dark and see what's up. What's look, up at Dar- look at Darquez, Denar, and Kirkpatrick. The only reason why they're not signed is just because teams can't get their hands on them right now, honestly. That's the only reason. There's um, there's 20-something teams that would take a one-year flyer on, on both of them. It's just this is a crazy world that we're in right now. I think behind the scenes, yeah. everything is really, really off, and – it's just a stagnant pace that's just really hindering like everything that we were used to. This is normally when the Bengals really go to work. Honestly, this is right. where they go pick up a Darren Lee type talent. This is where they go pick up like guys like Lee at this part at a bargain value. This is the time that they really hit the ground running. And there's so many guys out there that I think that they'll be able to eat that too. That I mean, be able to eat right now and just do exactly that when we do get back up and running. So one person uh, brought up another great point of some news that came out this week, and it's the fact that DJ Reader dropped 20 pounds. And someone's asking, what do you guys think about DJ Reader losing 20 pounds? Uh, me, myself, personally, I can't speak for Zim. I'm somewhat worried a little bit if he I, – I don't know. Like, I'm not privy to what the Bengals are doing defensively, right? So from my football knowledge, just from playing in high school – I just know that as a nose tackle, you generally want a guy that's rather large and a guy that's going to be able to stop the run. Losing 20 pounds, I'm not sure uh, if that will suffice, but I mean, it could put him in the best shape of his life. But that, that could also mean that the Bengals are expecting him to do more than just stop the run. And one thing that I did mention on a profile that I did on him, although DJ Reader, yes, is a great run stopper. He's kind of overlooked for how good he is as an actual uh, person that can bring pressure as well. So losing that 20 pounds, you could possibly see him be better as or statistically be better as um, an edge rusher or not an edge rusher, but a pass rusher from that standpoint, from an interior standpoint. So the one thing that worries me is, you know, he how is that going to affect him against the run if it doesn't? Um, then that's fine, but we'll have to see. With Zim, what is your take on him losing 20 pounds? I just think that he plays right into the hand of, like, uh, the reason why we wanted, like, guys like Ed Oliver and stuff is, like, you're looking for, like, a three-tech guy that can, can you know, take on a lot of that run, be able to stuff some holes, but be able to give you pass rush from that. T- to be able, like, I think there will never be probably another Aaron Donald for the next 10, 20 years, but right. the ability – to have a guy that you can't just limit to just one thing is very, very important. And it's something that I think a lot of teams are playing, playing close attention to. If you look at Philadelphia's, um, the Eagles, their championship run, that is something that they did all across the board. They had a bunch of three-tech guys all across the line. They had a bunch of versatility, and they just rotated them in and out. So him being more versatile at that position means that we're banking on more linebacking support 
um, if if he's going to scale it down. So I'm thinking that the Bengals honestly are are, are thinking they're going to get way better run support. And if he does take on, um, if he if he uh, wants to go shoot a gap or something like that, where where we weren't able to this past year rely on linebacker support in the run game, I think they're really saying, okay, we got the pieces in place. We got the pieces in place. We got. Uh, Logan Wilson that's going to be there. We got Jermaine Pratt, and then we went and signed uh, which we we'll call it from the Ravens. What's his uh, guy? What's his Josh Bonds? Josh Bonds. So I think now that they're they're saying okay, like let's get after him, like no matter what, and teams won't be able to pigeonhole him. And I and I'm and I'm guessing the Bengals probably had that conversation with him for him to even be like that, for him to even take that leap of faith and say okay, I'm gonna lose 20 pounds. He had right. to talk some type of condition. He had to talk. Yeah, had to talk to Lou in a room and say, "Hey, look, this is what we want from you. This is how we think we can get your sack numbers up. This is how we think we can get your pressures numbers up. What do you think about that?" And I think that was the plan. So let's see how it plays out. Yeah, I think I think you're totally right. I think that they have a plan behind that for sure. Um, so Andrew Siler asks, "I wonder when the color rush borough jerseys will ship. Does anyone know?" Um, so as you guys have seen, I've gotten some good compliments on it. I ordered this Joe Burrow jersey, uh, I believe it was April 30th. It took two months for it to get here, basically a little under two months. Uh, I ended up getting it on the 10th of June. Uh, but the thing is, with COVID and everything going on, it's going to slow down the process. But I mean, I originally received, I think, like a date of like October or something like that. Mm -hmm. I knew that that wasn't going to be true. So just stay tuned. And if you have any further questions or concerns, um, Andrew, you can always reach out to the Fanatic Support Twitter account. I think I actually have um, their link in the bio of this video or in the description of this video. Um, so you can check with them and you can give them your actual order number and they'll let you know, hey, it's shipped or when the expected arrival date is. Um, but what what essentially happens is they receive all of these orders. So they're probably producing the Joe Burrow jerseys themselves. And then once they get it from their supplier, then they ship it out to us. So um, if you have that, if you have your order number, you can check it there with them on Fanatics on Twitter. You can also log in. And there's a section where you can actually search your order number and put it in there. I think it just requires your email and your order number. And they let you know whether it's been processed, shipped or so on and so forth. Uh, when they get ready to ship it, you'll know because you'll get an email saying that your order is on its way. And like Zim said, the last time that we talked about this, they ship pretty fast. As soon as they said that, I had the jersey within three days. It actually they said that it was going to be here on Thursday. It actually came Wednesday. So for me, it was it was actually pretty fast. I've actually had two people message me that use our Fanatics link too, and they got their T. Higgins jersey this week too. I think I might have posted it on my story if you guys follow me on Instagram. Oh, I may I may have not posted it yet, but I think I'm about to. But uh, if you guys were interested in the T. Higgins jersey, that has been re like I had two people confirm that they received those, but I don't have the answers for the Joe Burrow color rush. But there is a live chat from Fanatics that you can Google, or if you DM me, I can send you the link. Yeah, no problem. I am JL. So uh, before we get out of here, I don't know, Zim, if there was anything that you had um, left to talk about. But before we what do get you out think of about Davin Cook? What do you think about Davin Cook? That's one thing. Oh, I that's, a great, that's a great thing we could talk about. Davin Cook, if you guys haven't heard, is pretty much saying that he's going to hold out. That is very big news because. When you look at that draft, I feel like Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon are going to forever be tied together. Because if you remember, when the Bengals were on the clock, they ended up trading down. Um, Dalvin Cook was there and Joe Mixon. So they traded down and they made it clear that their guy was Joe Mixon. They called Mike Zimmer. His guy was Dalvin Cook. They made a trade. Dalvin Cook was taken. Joe Mixon was taken. Now, these both were guys that should have been taken in the first round, in my opinion. Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, they were great talents. They were some of the best players in that draft. However, with both of them having character concerns, that moved them down to the second round. So their fates were kind of forever tied with each other. And you're talking about guys that are all pro caliber running backs, guys that you know, might be in everyone's top 10, top 15, depending on how you look at it. I think they're both in the top 10. But I think that this is interesting because when you look at when people do extensions and stuff like that, it's always based off of guys that were drafted around the same time, guys that had similarity concerns. And when I, I think we first talked about this whole process, that's who I felt like they were going to base his deal off of was Dalvin Cook. So the fact that Dalvin Cook is holding out, 
seems that that's kind of flip flop. But the weird thing is, is that I'm not sure who is representing Dalvin Cook because I was a huge Dalvin Cook fan when he was at Florida State. By the way, I wanted the Bengals to take him. I'm not gonna lie. Um, nothing against Joe Mixon at all. Joe Mixon is that guy, but I think that he played himself like I like I kind of have said before with when the Joe Mixon stuff kind of came out. I think he's playing the wrong game just because the new CBA basically states that you really can't hold out. Like you can hold out, but you're not gonna you're gonna basically be in the same situation again next year. Um, so from that standpoint. I think that it's interesting to see what happens. Like he's going to be the first person to kind of test those waters. And I think Joe Mixon is definitely going to be like monitoring that situation to see what happens. But I think it's, it may be a bad thing for us because the Bengals generally let those guys set the market. So when it's like Julio mm -hmm. Jones and AJ green, they let that first guy get signed. And then you generally see after that, they're like, okay, we know what the parameters are. We're going to give you something similar to this person, but they don't have that. So that almost in a sense kind of scares me. So we'll have to see where that goes. But I think that it is going to be something interesting. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Zim. What are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook holding out? Yeah, like you said, with the new CBA, I just don't see any way that any anybody can hold out. The only thing I could see him doing is just ensuring his health by like sitting out as much as he can, OTAs, everything like that. They're already probably talking about scrapping, if not all the preseason probably scrapping two preseason games anyway. So hypothetically, these guys probably aren't even going to come out there to season one. I mean, to week one, but I don't see a situation where Dalvin Cook is going to be able to sit out um, more than, you know, like he, he won't be able to sit out. And Joe Mixon has got, you know, like to me, he's somewhere between that 10 and $13 million threshold or whatever, based on the guys that are currently signed now. Right. And he's just got to figure out, like, where is he at? And the Bengals shouldn't be tight on the money to that because there's room to do it. And it's not ideal for most most franchises to sign a running back that long, I guess, or long term because of given what's going on with running backs in the history of the NFL. But I think, like we were saying earlier, or at least I was saying earlier, is that I think he has a bigger impact than just on the field. I think some of the things that we were talking about from Chad Johnson earlier um, – you were saying like uh, some people might have didn't like his, some of his antics. I never called him antics. I always thought it was confidence. And it's right. a difference in the confidence that Joe Mixon has and the confidence that like a Tyler Boy has, I think resonates with the whole entire football team. And I think it's really good for the culture. So to me, that has a dollar amount attached to it. So they need to go ahead and put some money behind that too. And I don't think it should be like some drawn out situation. But I do too think that Mixon will probably be on that same boat like hey like i'm not going to participate in this and i'm not the same way aj green is going to be saying that too because he's like yeah i'm playing on the franchise tag so those are two guys that i will really really love like to hit the ground running when this thing opens back up but i just don't see it because you got to protect your investment which is your body and that is what these guys are up against right now yeah i totally understand and the other the other thing if i'm not mistaken i think i read on twitter that he's looking for christian mccaffrey money which i don't think joe mixon is looking for that but that's that's i don't know if that's gonna get done in my opinion for the for spider man the spider man <laughs> curtains i noticed it too bloody bunny the spider man curtains my man ace has got the he's got it going on and like you like you know what y'all caught in the web right now you just caught in the web. Y'all didn't even know it. Whole time, bloody just caught the Spider-Man um, blinds. Whole time, you just caught in the web of, of this whole Orange is the New Black podcast, and you just yes, got Spider-Man. Yes, sir. Um, funny story is Spider-Man is my favorite uh, Marvel character, and it's also my son's, and I didn't even have to force it on him. Like He is just in love with Spider-Man. So these are actually his Spider-Man curtains that we got him. We're going with the Spider-Man theme. Uh, in his room. I'm reporting live from here uh, because COVID is just weird and I've had to move my office desk there. But Damn. Hey, it's all good. It's all COVID. good. And, and also, COVID we had the COVID in your gym? <laughs> you said COVID in. Nah, 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 nah. Like, <laughs> there was a lot of. When I was in the gym, as you guys noticed, there were like some weird things going on with my connection. So it was like really choppy and stuff. And I think it was because I was in my garage. So, mm -hmm. so that, frame, um, that framing that you got that you got that 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 still framing probably messing up this stuff. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So before we get out of here, um, Cincinnati kids, since you showed us so much love, I'm going to answer one of your questions that you had up here. You said that Sean Williams is a very, very humble guy. Is he the next Cedric Pierman as a special teams captain, but maybe more utilized on defense? Uh, Zim, did you want to take that one? I think that Sean Williams has to really go out there and um, really, really, really force the issue. Because basically, if you guys didn't know or you hadn't heard our interview that we had with Sean Williams, he is coming into this thing thinking he is still the starting uh, strong safety. He did, he does not want to be utilized in a linebacker um, role. Based on the reports from Bengals.com with Jeff uh, Hobson, they're absolutely signaling like Von, uh, Von Bell is a strong safety, and they want to still use Sean Williams as the linebacker role. So this is a very, very important thing to look at when we start going to training camp and start getting reports and different things like that. I want to see where are they lining them up, what are they doing with them, do they have them on the, same, on the field at the same time as Von Bell? That's very, very important because when I think Cedric Pyramid, I'm thinking long-term, stalwart on the team like just part of the thing but he's made it very clear on our podcast here he did not like that role he believes that he's he's a top 10 strong safety in this league and if they're not going to utilize him on every single down then i don't think he'll be a part of it so um that yeah cedric pyramid to me was like long term this is our guy this is our ace i thought i thought clayton fedulin would have been that guy but if you guys didn't know, he signed with the Dolphins this, uh, this offseason. But I thought Clayton was that guy. Yeah, so for me, I think um, when you talk about what Cedric Pierman was as a person in terms of being a leader and stuff like that, I think that you could see Sean Williams from that. I don't think that he's going to – Oh, gonna, yeah. Like, Remember that meeting? Yeah, that meeting I think was, was pretty dope. I think Sean Williams is a guy that – you know, there's the Bengals locker room. They they have these talented guys, but they don't have those guys that stand up and just, you know, command everyone and get everyone together. And I think Sean Williams is that guy. I think it flies under the radar. Like there's a reason that he's a captain. And that's why we kind of named the episode Captain Williams. But he can give you full insight into what's going on. And I think him as a captain, he's willing to speak up for other guys and address certain things in the locker room and get guys together, which I never really knew that. Like I wouldn't have known that he was really a, a captain like of the team and was really getting guys together in the locker room. So I think when you talk about him from a standpoint of being a leader, is he like Cedric Pyramid? Yeah, I could see that. Is he going to take a lesser role um, if he doesn't agree with it? I'm not sure. I think that, you know, some guys feel like, and I feel like he feels, like he said when he was on here several years ago, he had one of the best years of his career. So to make him do something different and to have, you know, five different defensive coordinators throughout that time, that to me, that's not a, a fair shake. Now, if they do the three safety thing, I would love to see that. I would love to see him, Von Bell, as well as Jesse Bates all play together. If that's not in the cards, it's not in the cards. But I think that there is potential for all three of those guys to play there, especially with the NFL and, and the way things are going with it being a passing league. So that, for me, wraps up everything that I have to say. Zim, was there anything else that you had left for um, the people? One thing that you – well, one someone asked when is minicamp. I did have some important dates I just want to tell you about. And then you talked about the Black Lives Matter um, situation at the beginning of the episode, and I did, I did just want to have a clear thought nothing nothing drawn out but Not just some, some dates just to uh go over really quick uh late june is the rookie transition program to be held at the individual clubs july 15th is the day that um any club designated for a franchise player to sign such a player to a multi-year contract extension so that's very key in the case of aj green if they wanted like do like any extension and get them out of the franchise tag uh, Mid-July, clubs are permitted to open preseason training camp. July 22nd is signing period ends for unrestricted free agents. July 22nd is signing period ends for transition players and outstanding tenders. Uh, August 6th is the scheduled Hall of Fame game as of right now. Uh, August 11th is the deadline for players under contract to report to their clubs to earn an accrued season for free agency. So... There, those are the most important dates that I saw like coming up. 
uh, just be looking for that. So mid July is the date that you should see like a lot more activity, I guess, for like players being actually at the facility. I don't know if you guys have seen, uh, I had, I was joking. I said, Zach did a Corona check, but they showed a video of Zach Taylor walking into the building, getting the, um, the thermometer put on his forehead. They ask you a, a series of questions on your health. Have you been sick? Have you lost your sense of taste in the, in the last 48 hours? So show those couple of things when they walk into the building. I thought that was really important and really cool to just see his path walking in and coaches are in the building. There are a bunch of strength and conditioning coaches there as well. My only other thought that I want to say, because you spoke so eloquently at the beginning of the show is that, because of the things that have happened in this country, I think it's very important that we definitely come together at all costs. We don't judge people very early just because they differ in opinion. Me and Ace differ on opinion on a bunch of stuff as it pertains to protests and different things like that. But I understand his and I hope he understands my perspective. Fair. I do want this to know that when you watch that video of uh, George Floyd dying, let that be at the forefront of every decision or every perspective or, or every perspective that you may have on the situation and as it pertains to America right now because we're at a very important uh, period in American history I feel like and if you just get quiet now and think that this thing will just go away I think that's a mistake if you had passion or compassion for the murder of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or so many different names, I urge everyone to constantly, it doesn't have to be a vocal protest. It could be a silent protest. It could be a donation. It could be just talking with your neighbor. It could be anything. Keep the conversation going. That's all I want everybody to do. Stay safe. Keep on wearing your mask. If you want a mask, go to zimhuday.com. I have Burrow Babies mask, so make sure you stay corona-free. But stay safe. Talk to your neighbor. Keep the conversation going. Don't let this thing just slip past like it's just another thing. This is an important part of the history. The conviction of these cops are very, very important to your livelihood, our communities, and everything moving forward because no one should die in that manner. And I wake up every day thinking, like, I need to do something. So how I do something may be different than how you do something, but we all collectively need to just work together and just voice your opinion, say something. Like they say, even me as a black man, I'm still listening to what a white person is going to tell me, what a, white, a Mexican person is going to tell me, because I understand perspectives. And then after that, I may say something, I may listen, I might compartmentalize that, but that's the key. We got to keep the conversation going. And I love no, you all. Definitely. definitely. Love you guys all. Who they? <laughs>